yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, Adam. You can reach me at the real 27 guy on Instagram. Feel free to DM me with any questions that you have um, about this episode or about other episodes. Uh, if you're interested in receiving Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine, um, there are three issues out to date. You can order them um, by clicking on my link, uh, or the link in my bio at the Real Twenty Seven Guy on Instagram, or by paying via uh, PayPal.me/slash/basketballcard. Again, that's PayPal.me/slash/basketballcard. Or conversely, you can just uh, PayPal me at uh, basketballcardfanatic at gmail.com. Uh, it is ten dollars for one issue, one hundred dollars for the, for twelve, and five hundred dollars for a lifetime subscription. And I got a message today from somebody indicating that we would be selling our second lifetime subscription. So, Brooklyn Vintage Cards, you're about to be joined by somebody else. <laughs> um, guys, the magazine has done amazingly well. This uh, I was gonna say this lasts a little while. It it's been awesome. The success has been incredible. And so if you are somebody who listens to this and still have not gotten the magazine, will you please email me basketballcardfanatic at gmail.com. Will you please let me know why you haven't ordered, ordered, ordered the magazine. You should order it. You will like it. It will be good. It will make you a better, happier, uh, collector with more of a long-term perspective. At least that's the goal. Uh, we've been working very, very hard to make it appealing to everyone. And so check it out if you haven't checked it out yet. Okay, with that said, I want to thank you guys for joining today and listening to this podcast. Uh, today's uh, episode is all about eminence basketball cards. Um, eminence is something that I focused on a lot in 2015 when the product debuted. And it's something that I focused on a lot since then. And this week, we uh, received an announcement from Panini. Uh, actually, after the announcement came out, I think it was almost exactly a week ago. After the announcement came out, I think I got 13 individual messages from people saying, Adam, Panini's doing eminence again. Aren't you so excited? And today I wanted to talk about my reaction a little bit to that announcement. I wanted to talk about why uh, I collected it so heavily when it originally came out and my thoughts on it in the most unbiased way that I can give, um, the pros and cons, what I loved and what I didn't love. And uh, that might inform how you think about the product. Um, it might tell you why it was interesting to me and why it might be interested why it might be interesting to you but uh, let's let's start with this let's start with this I believed for the last six months that eminence would be released this year that as a five-year tribute uh, not tribute that's the wrong way to put it uh, as with it being the five-year anniversary of the first time the Eminence came out, I believe that it was a good time for uh, Panini to look to have uh, the return of the product. Eminence, when it first came out, was around six thousand to seven thousand dollars a case. A case is one box, 
and a box had between 7 and 10 cards in each box. Yes, that's right, between 7 and 10. And I'm not sure um, you know, what, what the average was. It was probably right around 8.5. I think I saw just as many boxes with 10 cards as I saw with 7. Um, and this year being you know, the boom of the sports card hobby, uh, as we know it, in a way that we haven't seen in 30 years, this year being the five-year anniversary of Eminence, this year being Zion and, and like I said, the card boom, it's really the perfect timing. And so what I wanted to do today was talk about what they did right in 2014, 2015, and what they did wrong. And uh, I want to look again at, at uh, how that might inform your thinking this time. So let's start off by saying this. Let's talk about why Eminence got my attention in the first place. Well, if I'm being really honest, the first thing the Eminence did to get my attention was simply uh, that it was the most expensive product that had ever come out. And when I knew that it was going to be the most expensive product of all time, um, that immediately to me said, this is something that you should pay attention to. Because when a product is, is so much more expensive than, than others around it, the company you would think has to um, give a reason create a reason for why that can be why can they be charging so much more than they have than they have charged for other things um, and uh, and so that so that's that's your first question um, i would point out here that whenever card companies have kind of reset the bar in terms of um, overall uh, high-end cards that has always been something that has, has created the potential for a product that blows up. I'll give you a few examples. In 1993, Topps produced a product that was the first ever chromium type product. That was Topps Finest. And that, at one point, I saw packs selling for over $20 a piece. And at that time, that was unheard of. 96 Chrome was similar in that it was the first ever uh, the first ever product the first ever chrome product and that definitely reset the bar too although that wasn't as clear cut as 93 finest was another example of, of a time where you had a clear cut best ever product was 2003 exquisite and we've talked enough about that both in the magazine and in previous episodes here we probably don't need to do that but needless to say those 500 dollars packs as they were originally um, suggested uh, retail price are now significantly more than that and that's a product that that really just shaped the hobby for a long time the next really significant upgrade in terms of price was the 2012 flawless product 2012 flawless is uh, today sells for several uh, you know significantly more than it than it originally did and that's even though um, none of the none of the sets or 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 insert sets are are at this point really considered like legendary. There's still some things that are loved beloved from that set. So I don't want to downplay it. It's still a wonderful set, but it was it was considered at the time. You know, it was something that changed the landscape in ter in terms of price. I think it was twenty seven hundred dollars for two boxes. And at that point, that was unheard of. And then the next thing that you can think of um, that was the bar being reset was Eminence. Although it was 2014, 2015 Eminence, it came out near the very end of 2015. Um, and uh, that's the product that we're here to talk about today. 
In all the other cases, you had a situation where the product was, especially at the time, and in some cases thereafter, considered a real hit, uh, something that was uh, valued by collectors and looked at and revered in a different sort of way, a pioneer, if you will. So every time you get this new potential pioneer of a set that is that uh, is brought out by the sports card companies, it's something that you should look at because that's that's a way to tell that, that it has the potential to be really different. So the way that Panini started by announcing Eminence was very different than, the, than they have, I think, than they have done any other um, sets before. Um, at least it's the only way that I know of. It actually started, I don't think many people know this, it started with a very cryptic message on Panini's website that highlighted a part of a card. It was a part of a Shaquille O'Neal autographed tag or autograph patch card. Um, and that, and it didn't show the whole card, it just showed part of it with Shaq's signature and like a piece of the tag or piece of the patch. And that image was up for a couple of hours and then it was removed. A screenshot was taken uh, up while it was up and, and shared and discussed on some of the forums. Um, but uh, the thing, the reason that I kind of believed why it was removed was, you know, at that point they, they obviously did have a Shaq, they had Shaq's autographs back, but what they, what they had not done yet is they had not yet released Flawless and Immaculate. Um, and if you're Panini um, and you're, you're the marketing guy at Panini or you're the department, the very last thing that you would want to ever do is bury a couple of your biggest, most important high-end items with another high-end item that comes thereafter. The reason for this is pretty simple. If you know that, if you as a buyer know that something better is going to be coming out, there's a better chance that you're going to save your money. But if you're Panini, do you want customers to be saving their money? Of course not. You want them to pay as much as they will on each subsequent product and you want to you know have those products sell out and all do well and you don't want leftover inventory that's the worst case scenario for a card company when they have leftover inventory right so um the eminence ad or that it wasn't again it wasn't for it wasn't for the whole of the product it was just for a part of the card that looked this this product was a black background with a gold ink autograph and a lot of hollow foil around a patch and you saw as soon as you saw it you knew that it was very different than something out of National Treasures or something out of Flawless. And so it was exciting. And at that moment I said, wow, this is something that, that I'm gonna that I'm gonna sort of look for. You know, you always as a collector want the best. We were focused on Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker rookie cards, funny enough, at that point. And I remember thinking, I want the best. I want to own the best card of those guys. Um, you know, there's, there's certain variables about, about a card, how rare it is, um, you know, how expensive the product comes out or how expensive the product is that it comes out of what the patch size is, um, whether it's autographed, all these things are variables and, and ideally you want the rarest card with the nicest patch and the best autograph. And, uh, and like I said, the Panini marketing people are, are smart. And so it was my belief that, that they sort of put something up first and then realized well, that's probably a bad idea and so they removed it but again there was no name behind this this sort of mystery shack card 
there was just um, there was just a card that had been up for a couple of hours. Um, and so as the as the days and weeks went by, I remember waiting and seeing these other high-end products come out and and thinking, when's that thing that when's that product that had the shack card gonna come out? What what is that? What is that? And then months went by and we got way past flawless and way past immaculate, and I was just like and maybe it wasn't what I thought it was. Maybe maybe they decided not to do that product. That's so weird. And even though I was just totally focused on it for a long time, I finally just thought, man, it's getting getting so late in the year. I think it was November, or maybe even in, into December. And I thought maybe there's maybe there isn't something that's going to come out. And then a video was a hit, and the video that hit showed a new product that Panini was releasing called Panini Eminence. The video has, you know, loud, high voltage, high intensity music, and, or not music, but audio, and bright lights, and quick changes, and, and you watch it, and it certainly captures your attention. There's no way that it can do anything but capture your attention. I'm pretty sure you can still go find that video. So, going out there and going to YouTube or something, I'm, I'm sure that it's out there. Um, in the video, there's a there was a really an interesting mixture of types of cards. There were cut autographs. There were cards with just it seems like all the cards just had a ton of holofoil on them. Um, there were the first ever championship tag autograph cards, which at the, at that point in time, we'd never heard of, but those of us who were fans of the NBA knew what they were. They knew what the champion, we knew what the championship tags were. Although there was some confusion around them when they, when they first came out, those of us who'd been watching kind of knew what those were. There were tons of gold ink autographs and, and patches with really like Lots of different cool patches. There were big time Andrew Wiggins and big time Jabari Parker cards. And so as this ad came out, you know, I started to dream about what this product could be. I knew that it was going to be like, again, I knew at this point where it was going to be the most expensive product to date. I knew at this point that it wasn't going to be a lot of cards per box. And I knew that I'd seen this ad that kind of promised that this was going to be something new and different. And so I, I thought, you know, this is going to be the greatest product of all time. They're going to have, oh, and we also knew that all of the cards in the product were numbered to 10 or less. So I started thinking about, you know, RPAs of all of the key rookies numbered to 10 or less instead of to 99 out of National Treasures. And I thought, I don't believe this. You know, they're going to, they're finally going to put up, put out something that's far better than National Treasures and they're going to cannibalize national treasures in the in the um you know in the process and some people don't think like that but i really do think that the best card the best rookie card really matters and and so i was you know and that's that's one reason why when you're buying cards during a given rookie year you don't know what's going to happen to them i thought maybe they would come out with a best rookie card right a clear-cut best rookie card an rpa number to 10 uh, would have been amazing. I had the dream of dual logo man autographs and other just incredibly high end cards, but that's what I really wanted most: dual auto, logo man autos and uh, clear cut best rookie cards. I was so excited, and I wanted the product so bad. And then the checklist came out, and I opened it and I started looking for all of these things that I sort of dreamt about. 
And what I found was that is not at all what the product was. Um, it was so disappointing. I thought for six or $7,000 a case or a box, you know, the only thing that you're getting as far as rookies, there's only two rookie cards in the base set. It was just Wiggins and Jabari in the base set. And the base set was just autographs, base autographs, numbered out of 10 is what I found on the checklist. And the only thing that you could find as far as Logo Man was that they had done silver ounce cards that were Logo Man numbered to 10 and gold um, ounce Logo Man number to one, and neither of which were, were made with real jersey cards. You know, they were all, I mean, they're in the, and, I, and I thought, you know, these might be great looking, but that's not what I'm looking for. All that it had was things like the championship tags and the USA patch autos and all of these other different types of patch autos and the cut autographs that I just couldn't have cared any less about. And so I'm going to be honest and just tell you guys, I was really disappointed um, it, I didn't feel as soon as I looked at that, looked at that checklist for a while, like it was what it could have been. Um, the rookies, the dual logo man autos, those things that I hoped for, it just didn't have any of those things. But as often has happened to me as I really dive into a checklist, I started sort of talking myself into the product a little bit and looking for the things that I felt like were unique and important and reasons why I should still pay attention to it. So I'll tell you some of the things that, although I was super disappointed, I'll tell you some of the things that I, that I did then that made me start thinking otherwise. When you look at a Panini checklist, you can download it to Excel. And when you download it to Excel, you can sort of sort it and filter it in all sorts of different ways. So I started doing those things. I, know, I noticed you know, huge quantities of the, of the biggest autograph guys that you wanted to see you know you wanted to see kobe bryant obviously um as a panini signer and he had just a ton of autographs in, in the original eminence um and you know tons of bill russell and scotty pippen and some of these other big guys that you would that you just love to see and so that was good the other thing that i the, the next thing that i noticed is you again is you put it into excel you can just highlight the quantities right and and this was something that was kind of exciting to me as, as i did that I found that there was only 6,000, and I just double-checked this, there were 6,143 total cards in the product. Let me say that again. 6,143 eminence cards. That's it. So I sat there and I looked at that and I thought, you're telling me the highest end product that they've ever come up with, and if there's between 7 and 10 cards in each box, there's probably about... 750 total boxes of this stuff. And I sort of started like shaking my head a little bit like, that's interesting. That's really a small number. And then, you know, I started thinking, well, if there's only that many boxes, then there can't, although it might not have some of the really huge hits that I was hoping for, I wonder what happens if I create a randomly generated case of this stuff. And so, yes, I'm nerdy enough to create randomly generated cases from the 6,143 6, cards in Excel. And I started putting together random cases of, of eight, between eight and ten cards. And as I did that, what I found was um, that, in, and I had to estimate what I thought the value of the cards would be, which I was pretty good at. I found that the average case returned between 60 and 70% of the 
of cost. Now that doesn't sound great because nobody really likes only getting 60 to 70% of their money back. But um, in sports cards, when you're breaking, that actually is a pretty incredible number. And especially at that time where, you know, national treasures average break was just so abysmal. You know, you had to hit a big rookie to, to do well. And, you know, you weren't even guaranteed rookies in that product. And Immaculate was even worse than the National Treasures was. And Flawless wasn't as bad on a percentage basis, but didn't have the same sort of upside as those other ones did. And so I started just kind of talking myself into it. This is probably the point in this uh, conversation where I've said some positive things and some negative things about the, the product to recognize that I own a significant portion of the Eminence, the original Eminence product. I own the entire base set, so all 50 cards numbered to 10. I'm confident I'm the only person who has been insane enough to do that project. I also own um, another 20-some-odd cards, most of which are one-of-ones and some of the best patch autographs out of the product. I am a huge Eminence fan, and so I am not unbiased here. And so as you listen to my words, remember that I'm not unbiased right remember that i'm just telling you like why i liked it and what i think about it now and i'm doing that in the most unbiased way that i can but i i am somebody who loves the product and so uh, keep you know keep that in mind as i as i talk okay so um so yeah i still own a, a ton of those i ran the 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 random boxes i told you about the 75 percent um and you know so I really deliberated at the time as to whether I should open any or whether I should buy any cases and hold them. And I had a friend who's not a card collector who had who had seen some of the cards online and he just said, Adam, I know that this isn't something that you feel great about and you're not as excited about it as you were going to be, but I just think these cards are awesome looking and I think you should buy those cases that you were thinking about buying. So I bought two cases at, I don't remember what the cost was, you know, around $6,000 each. I bought two cases and I decided to just sit on those. Well, in retrospect, those were definitely not the best cases to buy and sit on. In fact, if you could go back in time and do that, you would just go back and buy, you would just go back and buy all the prism that you could, right? We should have been investing in low end stuff um, because the returns on a percentage basis on that was incredible. Now the the eminence boxes have done also very well, but not the same way on a percentage basis, right? The percentage basis on on um, Prism was just fabulous and not nearly as good on eminence. Not only did I buy those two cases, but I bought as many of the key cards that I should or as I could. I've managed five years later to hold on to almost all of them. Um, it is. It is my favorite Panini product that's ever come out. Um, I did sell some of the key cards along the way, though, and I regret every single one of them that I sold. Uh, I bought the, I had the Penny one of five gilded graphs, the gold gilded graphs. He signed uh, his his autograph on there with his with his nickname with Penny, as well. And in, in uh, I think it's in quotes too, where he signs in Penny. It's just a gorgeous card. I sold that. I had a gilded graphs of Steph that I sold. Um, I had the rocket, the, the, the rocket face uh, on, uh, on the patch of the Clyde Drexler autograph patch card that is just one of the coolest cards of his that you could ever imagine happening or having. And I sold it for some stupid, silly, like $250 price. 
I owned the Kobe Gilded Graphs, one of one, the Platinum. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I sold that. And then the biggest card that I've ever probably owned and sold was the Kobe Championship Tag autographed, one out of two. So those are the five cards that I sold. But I got many of the many of the really big cards out of the product that I still own today. Um, you know, like the Larry, the one that I always show off is the Larry Bird um, USA Tag. It's the USA tag right off of the original 92 Dream Team jersey. It is really game used from the most you know storied historic team of all time. I always say when I talk about that card, it's not a card that should have been created. I don't think it should exist, but it does. And I can't believe that I was able to get that. Um, I still own the whole base set. I still own you know a ton of stuff. I actually, it's funny because I didn't know that Panini was going to be releasing this. And I actually, for the first time in a long time, listed a few of them for sale. I won't tell you what they are because I don't want to pump them, but I've got three cards that are up for sale right now via one of the consigners. So, um, and again, I won't mention those just because I'm not trying to, you know, get you to get you to buy them or whatever. But, um, but I managed to hold on to most of the cards, and I have, and I, and I love them. Um, I'm only selling the ones that I am selling because I just bought too much stuff and I got to pay off the old, the old line of credit, the old PayPal line of credit. So, um, moving some other stuff that I don't want to as well, but I think the ones that I'm moving right now will be the first eminence cards that I have sold since 2016. Think about that. It's pretty cool. I've, I've held on to most of them the whole time. And, um, it's just a coincidence that they happen to be coming out with a new eminence product and I happen to be selling the ones at the same time. So with that said, I have seen literally every single eminence card publicly available since inception. I've bid on most of them. Um, I have uh, a friend who says you should change your name from the 27 guy to the eminence guy. I haven't gone more than a couple days since it came out without looking at both the completed and active listings. I love the set. And after I got, you know, the first several in hand and I just looked at them and wondered, you know, why is this as high end as it is, whatever, whatever. And, you, you know, you, you, you start really like inspecting the cards. Um, after I started doing that, everything else really just started looking really plain to me. Um, National Treasures, Immaculate, and Flawless all just started looking very similar. And I know there's differences. I can see the differences. Um, but it didn't, it just didn't do it. Those products didn't do it for me the way that they used to. Um, and, uh, and it was because of the detail that was involved in the Eminence cards. The amount of holofoil. Um, the black background with the gold autographs. I just don't think there's much better in our hobby than holofoil and gold on black autographs. I love the backs of the cards. I love that in most of the sets, the image of the player on the back is different than the image of the player on the front. I love the the um, the details, and I, I just love so much of it. But having said that, and having now shared with you some of that real love for the product, let's be really real. It wasn't ideal. The product was not perfect and it had lots of issues. And those issues were things that a lot of people looked at and said, oh, I don't want any part of that product. So I want to talk about some of those things. People don't love thick cards, guys. Some people really care about cards um, thickness 
and they really want thin cards. I don't know if it's because people have binders or they just don't like thick thick cards. They don't like cards that are thick when they don't need to be thick. Um, I have kind of gone back and forth on this. Obviously, I, I have a binder, and so there's thick cards that don't go into the binder, and I just think, okay, if, if there's a thick card, I don't, I don't put it in there. Um, but I think a lot of people just don't like thick cards. I kind of like getting an eminence card in my hand and going, wow, there's some real like weight to this. This is that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to miss that thing. It stands out. Um, you know, so, so that's number one. People don't love thick cards. The bigger issue is that the thick gold markers were just dead awful for some signers. Some of the guys that use those markers just could not figure out how to sign well with them. Grant Hill's autographs out of Eminence are not ideal. Allen Iverson's just look a little weird. His his autographs really hit and miss, um. Anyways, but in the gold, it sometimes can look bad. Um, and maybe the worst is Dominique Wilkins. He goes back and forth really quick, and it ends up just being this sort of blob of gold ink on some of the cards. On the other hand, there were players in the set that had incredibly nice autographs. Chris Paul's autograph in that nice gold ink is just awesome. Chris Weber is like, like every one of his autographs is like a masterpiece. It's got like 15 vertical lines moving up and down. And then you've got Kobe, and most of Kobe's were really awesome too. But having said that, people were quick to focus on the gold autographs that were bad because they were bad. They were really bad. My take has always been, well, don't buy the ones that are bad. Don't let the ones that are bad ruin ruin the product for you for the ones that are really good and so my goal was to just find the cards that i liked and you know leave leave um uh, leave the cards that i didn't like the only exception to that to me was that since i did the base set and the base set is autographed i did have to pick up some of the ones that aren't great you know i do have a grant hill and a dominique wilkins that aren't that aren't awesome and alan iverson's less than perfect um but Again, I don't mind them so much that I that I mind the cards and and having you know you can't beggars can't be choosers when you're talking about a base set that's numbered to ten. Um, putting it together was easily the most difficult challenge that I've had in the hobby because in some cases in some of those cards like for example Vince Carter Vince Carter's base card I can tell you over the course of the last five years has appeared two or maybe three times total i think i've only i know i've only seen it twice and one of them was the card that i bought the thing but uh, or, or sorry I, I i know i know i've seen it three times but i wonder if the card that i the the other card that i saw if, if i just saw it twice i mean it's just an incredibly difficult card to find and there's many of those cards in the base set that are like that um more negatives cases that were scratched um i have a um a Scotty Pippen one of one um, Hall of Fame uh, autograph patch. Beautiful card. It's got a scratch right in the middle of it. And every time I pick, take a picture, I just like shake my head. Like, how did they let this this case get scratched? Maybe it was the person who opened the box. I don't know. But there were so many of the cases that weren't perfect. It's just frustrating. Some of the cards were put in the cases in different ways. The horizontal cards you would think should have been put in the cases that have, you know, the the labels on the cases. They should have all been put in the same way. Some of them weren't. Some of them were put in different ways. That's incredibly frustrating when you're buying a card that like out of the case, you know, costs like 800 to to $1,000. 
so frustrating. Um, so the the scratched cases, the the cards are so thick that in a lot of cases, the edges or the corners were were not perfect. Um, there were one of one cards that so. I, sh I should say some of the cards, most of the cards were in the pattern of the silvers were to 10, the golds were to 5, and the platinums were to 1. When Panini does that, Panini ought to, and most of us would believe, put the very best patch as the 1 of 1. And they did that in a lot of the cases, but there's cases where they didn't. My friend Frisbee Steve has a uh, David Robinson uh, enshrined, um, that's the Hall of Fame set that I was talking about with Scotty Pippen, has the enshrined uh, David Robinson one of one. Great card, brilliant Hall of Foil, great autograph, but the patch isn't perfect. Meanwhile, I have the patch, it's number to five, uh, the gold version, and it's an amazing patch. And we both just looked at it and we're like, my patch should be on his card. It's messed up. That's not the way that it should be. The one of one should be, should have the best, should have the best patch. And in a lot of cases they did that, but in a lot of cases they didn't do that. And so, you know, that's, that's a, a attention to detail thing that they got wrong. Um, so all of those things are things where you're just like, guys, why couldn't you just get this right? Okay. But like I said, there's, there's a lot of great stuff. The Larry Bird USA is, may, is one of my three favorite cards in my collection. I just love it. Um, uh, the, you know, not every card was amazing, but the ones that were amazing were just, I just think there's, I think they're the nicest cards that Panini's ever made. And I think they're some of the nicest cards that are, that are ever made. Um, you know, they, it's not just because they have the awesome hall of foil, but the hall of foil adds so much to it. And each card in, in my opinion, not as in, not as an artist, I should have Kevin uh, do a review, do a review of the set. But as I look at the card with the hall of foil, with the auto, with the patch, there's so much going on on one card. A lot of people would say it's too much, but I just look at it and I feel like it's a feast. You get it on video and you just go, oh my goodness, this thing is amazing. Um, you know, I think that after I started buying them again, some of those, some of those other products just started feeling less significant, less, you know, like more just thrown together. Um, but the reality of it is that it just depends on the set or it depends on the card and it depends on how time changes your perspective. For me, time has continued to tell me how much I love Eminence. And so it's still something that I'm looking at all the time. And there's still cards that I'm interested in buying. But here's the reality. Card values explode with sales data. We love sales data. We love to watch how prices change for things. And the hobby is in a place today that I wouldn't have predicted back in 2015. And had I known where the hobby would go, I probably wouldn't have bought as much eminence as I did, even though I love the product so much. Because the hobby has seen this tremendous explosion of cards that are very plentiful and easy to find. Even, you know, things like R NTRPAs that, that people love and consider rare. Like at that time, I just didn't see them as being rare. You'd see five or six of them on eBay and it wasn't difficult to find. A card out of eminence was hard to find. And so, you know, time... Um, has taught us though that the rare thing isn't the thing in this case that has has increased in value as much 
And for me to, it, it takes me swallowing my pride a little bit on that because to say that, because again, I just, I thought it was such a no brainer. Are the cards worth more than I bought them for? Yeah. Um, but have they, have they changed in value the way that I thought others, the way that other stuff has? No. And so, you know, that's something worth considering. I don't know if that will repeat itself, but it's, it is, it is worth, it is sort of worth considering. Um, I think the, the thing that I wrote down here in my notes is eminence simply doesn't have enough cards in existence to create hype around pricing. So I went back and I looked at the last three months of eBay sales data, which has actually had a little bit of a surge in eminence cards uh, compared to the past. And in the last 90 days, 65 cards from the original eminence have sold. So five cards a week, basically, across all sets, base set and insert sets and all players, five cards a week sell. You know, compare that to any other set, compare that to any modern set. And, you know, we'll do some quick math, 65 cards, that's 1% of all eminence cards sell every quarter, 4% sell each year. It's just not sold enough to create any hype around it. And although the, the sell, sales prices are high, um, in a lot of cases, um, it's hard to predict what, what things will sell for and, and it's hard to, it's hard to guess. But there's not enough hype around it because there's not enough sales data. So the question that I ask after presenting you with all that information is this. How will eminence be different this time? Um, and I have some guesses at this, but they're only guesses at this point. First off, I would be willing to bet that they don't just do two rookie cards in the base set this time. I'm curious to know whether they will do a true RPA, meaning will they put a real rookie patch autograph in the base set or will they do like flawless has done and do several different variations of rpas none of which are in the base set i'd be willing to bet that they take the flawless route um, and the reason for that is really simple you can't outdo national treasures if you're panini they're really smart at marketing guys they really don't want to create a situation where something is better than National Treasures. National Treasures is a giant cash cow. And you can say, well, so is this. It's going to be $15,000 a box. Yeah, but you have to understand how much more National Treasures there is than this eminent stuff. I will be shocked if the true rookies out of this product are, uh, are RPAs. I will be shocked. But if they are, it will be a very interesting case study because, um, you know, that will be an RPA that's much rarer than National Treasures. And you'll hear people say, well, it's not worth as much and it'll never be worth as much and it doesn't have the brand name. And they might be right about that. Or time might show that having the rare thing is the best thing. We can't predict the future. And uh, a lot of people, I mean, there's a chance that a lot of people have really set themselves up to own all the right NT cards of Zion and Jaw, but maybe they should have been waiting for, for uh, eminence. As I say that, I can just hear people scoffing. You're probably right, because again, they probably didn't put it in the base set. It probably won't be a real RPA, probably be considered more of an insert, just like Flawless does it. But if not, it will be interesting. I'll bet that there will be more than 6,000 cards. What was the number? 6,143, I think. 
Um, let me look, yeah, 6,143. I'll bet you there's more than that. If I had to guess, I'll bet you it'll be about double that. Um, that seems to be kind of how, how Panini operates when updating these, these higher-end uh, uh, big sets. Of course they're going to make more cards. They cost so much money. You know they'll they'll be able to make a ton they'll be able to make a ton off of some of these things, but I could be wrong about that too. We'll see. Um, again, I I bet you there I bet you it'll be more rookie centric. Uh, the the previews so far have been Jaw and Zion and and other stuff, but they but John John Zion are the the big um, the big things to look for in this product I think so far because I mean what do we know? We know that um, that LeBron's not autographing, and or, or that you know I guess that would be the biggest shock ever if he did, um, because he's an upper deck exclusive. Um, we know that Jordan's not in the set. We know that Kobe hasn't been in anything since he passed away. Um, you know we know that the biggest, most popular players aren't aren't in the aren't in the product. I believe Luca's not signing anymore so that's four of the most popular guys that you could have signing for the product that won't that i don't believe will be in it my guess is that you'll see better pens probably more blue autographs not as much gold uh, that's what the previews seem to indicate and i think that makes sense my hope is if they do the gold that they do pens that are better for everybody which means thinner in general i don't think that always means a better autograph again i wouldn't replace the cp3 autographs out of eminence for anything i think they're the nicest autographs throughout there and i don't think there's a way you could make them look better if they were thinner um, i think kobe's are amazing too and several others but it's not that's not true for a lot of people and i think as a general rule thinner ink would uh, thinner markers would probably be better um the real question that I have is, what will be the big hit? If people are opening $15,000 boxes, they're going to expect to get some awesome things. What will be the big hit? Do they bust out the dual logo men autographs this time? You know, what else, what else can they possibly do? I don't know. What I do know is that at $15,000 a box, I hope that it is revolutionary in some way. I hope that um, it's not just the same. And since we're, you know, since you're not going to see a lot of the, the, um, you know, the, the big guys, you're not going to see LeBron or autographs and Kobe autographs and those types of things. I hope that there's something that makes the product really worthwhile and makes these guys who are opening $15 box or $15,000 boxes really feel like it's worth it. I don't know what that will be or what that could be, but I do know that I want it to be awesome and I hope it is and I hope that it's a, you know, a fitting sort of second uh, eminence set. I guess I shouldn't say second because there was also the eminence Kobe set that came out a few years later. Um, but guys, the original eminence is again, it's still my favorite product. It's uh that six, that number six thousand one hundred forty three is just an incredibly small number, and um, I'm glad that I was there for the first one, and I'm glad that I know you know all the the issues that it had. Um, I don't know what this new Eminence product will do for how people look at the how people look at the original. I think there's a number of people who will just always look at it as bad and 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 awful, and a lot of people I know feel that way. 
but for me, you know, I'll always think back to the, the, the best parts of it and the things about it that were most interesting. So there's my review of the 2014-15 Eminent set and how I think it will influence the, um, how, how I think that will be reflected in the new Eminence product. I think it's still a month away or so. Uh, I think, it, I think I heard something about December 13th. So maybe not, maybe, maybe like three weeks away. But for those of you who go after it, man, power to you guys. And, uh, the, 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 for those of you who are on the fence, what I would say is wait for the checklist and then when you get the checklist, analyze the heck out of that thing and ask yourself, what does an average box look like? What are the biggest hits? And if those if those questions aren't really satisfied or aren't satisfying to you, then stay away from it. You know, don't just go buy something just because it's the most expensive. Buy it because you like it. And for those of you who are interested in singles like me, you know, figure out from the checklist what cards you want most and then wait for them to hit. Um, you know, hit publicly and then go after them. All right. Okay, guys. Again, Basketball Card Fanatic is out. Um, issue 3 is is receiving great reviews. People love it. I'd love to send it to you. I think it's really good. Um, I'd love to send it to you. Again, basketballcardfanatic at gmail.com. You can message me there. Or PayPal me the 10 bucks for an issue, 100 bucks for the year, or 500 for a, for a lifetime subscription. Congrats to the second ever lifetime subscriber to Basketball Card Fanatic. You guys are awesome. I think you saw this week we passed 1,000 issues sold. I never could have dreamed, dreamt in, in, uh, in two months that we would sell that many issues. It's just crazy. But uh, anyway, you guys are awesome. Thanks again for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, happy collecting.